0: Welcome to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell O'Gaga Brought to you by Present Truth Ministry A teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's word For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng Let's pray. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your word is coming forth this morning. And we are going to heed your word. We are going to make the adjustments in the name of Jesus. Can I hear a good amen? amen? All right. So uh I preached this message in Kenya and uh and I felt well it went round, it was on Facebook. A lot of people listened to it and they got back to me of the impact. But I felt a prophetic sense of teaching it again especially to the local church and to those that i have leadership influence over and it's it's uh, it's not revelatory in the sense that it is not something you have not known before but it is rather calling us back to the place of righteousness and true holiness both from the pulpit and the pew The need for us to all repent and return back to the standards of God. And and decide in our minds if we really want to be Christians. And so I'll call it, do not be ashamed of your consecration. Do not be ashamed of your consecration. Amazingly, we are living in a day and an age where it is almost like it is a thing of shame to be a Christian. When I sit in my office every day and I have young single girls come to me and they want to talk about marriage, do you know their number one struggle? The number one struggle that most single girls have good girls now is finding a man who would want to marry them without sleeping with them first that's one of the greatest struggle including my brothers in church so this is not about these not unbelievers now right brothers in church who don't think there's anything wrong with sleeping with a lady before getting married that's the problem and 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 gradually i think we all have decided like i said today's message does not exempt me i'm not preaching to you i'm preaching to all of us i think we have all decided that it is okay to lower the standards of christianity i think we have just decided that god the standards are too high let's tone it down a bit So this is going to be a very frank message it's going to be a frank talk what's the greatest fear of women today in marriage that their husbands will not cheat on them am i right don't keep quiet if i'm right you say yes Yes. including married people in church that's 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 the greatest fear that's the number one fear of every woman because it's almost like all the men we have decided that it is okay we cannot be faithful to our wives anymore let's add something to this thing where where it's almost like even when you are caught there is no remorse there is no feeling bad you are just saying that your own is not as worse as that of brother james if it's brother james what will you say man there's only one person i slept with that guy has three so our comparison now is in the degree of iniquity. It is a is degree of iniquity. That's where we have found ourselves as a church. It's okay to lie. I mean, lie is just, lie is not a sin anymore. We have, we have just decided that lie is okay. Why were you not in church? The lies will start what happened, the lies will start you so for us now lying is not even something that is okay it's not even a sin. We have changed it. Let's put lie lie is not uh, there are more serious sins we should deal with. And <laughs> if you if you are a believer, you know right now it's almost like if you're a girl you're you're matured and you say you are a virgin, it's almost like, are you normal? Like let's come, let's just disversion you quickly so you become like us. It's it's like you can't you are even ashamed to say that, am I right? You're ashamed, like you don't have a boyfriend. Ah we have excess. And so it's okay to play church because it's okay the pastor will come preach for the five minutes we'll say amen we say hallelujah we'll give our tithes and we'll be good alcoholism we don't even talk about that now it is you know it's almost like you have two weddings you know personally i don't go to wedding reception it's just not to torment my soul the bible says the soul of righteous Lot was tormented because for weddings it's almost like you wait for the pastor to leave then you now have the real reception with all kinds of drinks. And it's okay. It's not a it's not problem. If we become comfortable with sin, we will raise a generation that is a disaster. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? So this, this, this morning is to examine our hearts. Are we really ashamed that we are Christians? Is this something we should be ashamed of? Why do we feel a sense of the fact that we don't belong if we don't engage in what others are engaging in? Why are we almost apologetic of being believers? Why do we make it look like to stay faithful to your wife is something that is for weak men? Why do we allow the world redefine the virtues of our faith? And I'll bet you, if they do a corruption test all around this country and find people stealing money and all kind of things, maybe 70% will be Christians. And they don't see anything wrong with it. You know, when we're in school, if they wanted to to pick a treasurer of of any association, I'm not talking about Christian Campus Fellowship now. If you were uh, in biochemistry and they wanted a treasurer... For biochemistry student association, they will look for people in fellowship. Just say, ah, no, no, now he's a Christian. Just give him. But you know, you can't try it now. You even have reports of ushers stealing money. Not, not in this church. At least our money is small. We know everything inside, so there's nothing you can steal. You have accountants defrauding churches. And the man is a church accountant. I guess his mentor is Judas. Even in my own life, I constantly am asking myself where have I become comfortable with pushing the boundaries of righteousness in my own life as a minister? Will I just want to preach something that is nice so we have a great church? or will I just want to say the truth that is in scriptures and leave the consequences to God do I want to go somewhere to preach because there's money there or I want to preach where God is asking me to preach do I want to be close to a member and follow up a member because that member has money or I want to follow up someone because they are the sheep of God and God is giving me oversight what are the gray areas that you have allowed in your life why Why is it that people in your workplace don't know that you're a Christian? What are you ashamed of? We're going to read a story. It's a very interesting story. It's a long story, but I like it. Jeremiah 35, about the children of the Rechabites. The children of the Rechabites. I wish we had more people this morning, and I also wish more people would listen to us. Jeremiah chapter 35. And i hope you are not feeling like oh why did i come to them? something was telling me to stay at home (laughs) jeremiah 35 we're just going to read the story and i want you to follow the story i want you to enjoy the story and read it and just follow it the word which came to jeremiah from the lord in the days of joachim the son of joash josiah king of judah saying go to the house of the rechabite speak to them and bring them into the house of the lord into one of the chambers and give them wine to drink Verse 3, Then I took Jezaniah, the son of Jeremiah, the son of Habizaniah, his brothers and all his sons, and the whole house of the Rechabites. And I brought them into the house of the Lord, into the chamber of the sons of Hanan, the son of Igdaliah, a man of God, who was by the chamber of the princes, above the chamber of Messiah, the son of Shalom, the keeper of the door. Then I set before the sons of the house of the Rechabites, boils full of wine and cups. And I said to them, drink wine. Verse 6, But they said, we will drink no wine for Jonadab the son of Rechab our father commanded us saying you shall drink no wine nor you nor your sons forever you shall not build a house sow a seed plant a vineyard nor any of these things but all your days you should dwell in the tents that you may live your days in the land where your sojourners first we have obeyed listen the voice of Jonadab the son of Rechab our father in all that he charged us to drink no wine all our days, we, we, our wives, our sons, and our daughters. Not to build a house, not to build ourselves houses to dwell in. Nor do we have vineyard, field, or seed, but we have dwelt in tents and have obeyed and done according to all that Jonah, that our father, commanded us. But it came to pass when nebuchadnezzar king of babylon came of the land that we said come let us go to jerusalem for fear of the army of the chaldeans and for the fear of the army of the syrians so we dwell at jerusalem verse 12. look at what god said then came the word of the lord told jeremiah saying, "Thus says the lord of hosts the god of israel go and tell the men of judah and the inhabitants of jerusalem will you not receive instruction to obey my word says the lord The words of Jonadab the son of Rechab, which he commanded his sons not to drink wine, are performed, for to this day they drink none, and they obey their father's command. But although, this is God speaking, I have spoken to you, rising early, and speaking, you did not obey me. Verse 15, I also sent to you all my servants, the prophets, rising up early, and sending them to you. Saying, Turn everyone from his evil way, amend your ways. Do not go out to other gods to serve them. Then you will dwell in the land which I have given you, and your fathers. But you have not inclined your ear, nor obeyed me. For surely, the sons of Jonathan, the sons of Rechab, have performed the commandment of their father, which he commanded them. But this people, has not obeyed me. And if you read on, it's, it's interesting that God takes a natural family. Now God, their father commanded them and said, listen, you guys, you don't drink wine, you don't do this, you don't do this, and gave them strict standards. And even though it was the prophet of God that invited them into the, the chamber of the Lord and set wine before them, they went and he said, no, we will not because our fathers told us not to. And amazingly, you know what God did? God compares them to the house of Israel and said, listen, I have sent prophets before you. I've woken up early to speak to you, but yet you will not obey me. Every one of us seated here this morning, there's nobody who does not know what sin is. Nobody. There's nobody. We all know what is wrong. We all know what is right. So our continuous engagement in what is wrong is a willful act of disobedience. There's nobody. For most of you here, this is not your first church. And I feel very prophetically that this is a call for God to us, to every one of us, as we get into the year that we're entering into, to amend our ways. I've explained something to you, and I'll explain it to you again. The, The judgment of sin is not that you die or... No, 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 no. The judgment of sin is that you will not be able to fulfill the plan of God for your life in all its fullness. That's it. So this is not a very long message. In fact, this story is the summary of the message. There are people who are not even believers, unfortunately sometimes, who are more honest than even Christians. Are you following me? There are some places where you go and say you are a pastor. Nobody will do business with you. What does it mean to consecrate yourself, to dedicate yourself to a sacred purpose? Even me as a minister, when I look at my life and and I look back at my journey with God, I will find out That the times I held myself to the highest standard of consecration, in those seasons in my life, I walked in the fullness of God's purpose for me. And you know where the challenge is? The challenge is when you have people around you who are comfortable with you lowering the standards. Before you know, even you that had high standards will begin to do what? Will begin to lower them. Because when you come up with your high standard, they laugh at you. And you don't want to be laughed at. (laughs) I remember many years ago, I was just starting out in ministry and we had the opportunity to preach in the market. So they took us to go and preach in the market. So one of our church members in then was a member of the, where they sell wood. So we go there every Tuesday, and thursday to preach to them so i, I am this pastor so my uh, church member was the vice president of the wood association then the president so both of them were to bring pastors so he brought me and he brought the pastors you know i would just go and i was just starting out i was just starting out no salary nothing i'll just starting out the ministry then just got married i'll just go and i'll teach you know i'll teach with my pure heart teaching the word of god praying for the people you know teach against some practices so one day, the other pastor called me. He says, he says he wants to see me. That he has been getting reports of my messages. And in my mind, I was very happy. Ah, this older man is commending me. He said, but the way that I'm preaching now, he observed that I will spread things in this market. <laughs> so I said, what do you mean? He said, no, these people have money. That these people have money. That if we preach to them like this, we will suffer. That's say I've seen how many times I'll preach and I'll go like this. They'll just give me only transport. That that's not how they do it. That as you come, let him teach me market evangelism. <laughs> so he said, "You know what? We have? We'll tell these people that there is a pot at the center of the market, and that's what is stopping their business." And you know what I mean? He told me all of that. I mean, I said, "Ah, no, 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 no." no. I mean, it was—was was it tempting? It was tempting. You know, sometimes we look like temptation is something you will just overcome. No, you have not been tempted before. I was thinking. So the next day he went, he preached, he did the pot stuff. It's not there. Then they told me that that day they raised fifty-five thousand. All the times I preached, our offering have not gone more than three thousand. That day they raised fifty-five thousand. So I went. The next week was my turn. You know, as I was going, the battle I was fighting in my mind was, "What are you going to take?" Will you take a 55,000 or will you take a 35? What are you going to take? Because you know what? Even as you are sitting here, don't assume that if I want to take money from your pocket, I can't. I can't. I'm intelligent enough. You might think you are very intelligent. <laughs> but one thing you must understand is that once you have grown to trust someone, you trust what they say. No, anybody you don't trust cannot take advantage of you. If you distrust someone, they cannot take advantage of you. Who takes advantage of you is who you trust. That is why it's difficult for a stranger to scam you. Well, a stranger can scam you if you are greedy and covetous. You know, but I'm grateful that I didn't go that path. We cannot peddle the word of God for gain. At the same time, as a child of God, you cannot just leave for the temporary pleasure of sin. It's not worth it. I'll give you three examples and then we'll spend some time to pray. In Daniel chapter 6 and verse 1 to 10, you know the story of Daniel. Daniel. Daniel 6, 1 to 10. What happened to Daniel? They looked for something to nail him. They looked for something to nail him. He pleased Darius to set over the kingdom, 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom. And Daniel was... In charge of all of that. And Daniel distinguished himself because an excellent spirit was in him. Verse 4. So the governors and the satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom. But they could not find no charge or fault because he was faithful. Nor was there any error or fault finding him. This was a man in the Old Testament. He didn't even have the Holy Ghost in him. Look at this. Then this man said, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Look at verse six. So these governors and set up strong before the king and said to us, uh, "You know what he said." And he said, "Well, nobody should pray." Let's go to verse ten. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home and in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before God, as his custom since early days these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. You know, most times when we read the story of Daniel, we like the fact that he became governor. We like the fact that from the lion's den, God delivered him. But you know, we do not talk about the consecration of Daniel. The king said, well, see, Daniel thought he could lose his job. It's a possibility. The king says, don't pray. And then you go and pray. You can lose your job. Do you, can you, If you think about Daniel right now, can you imagine someone who was not considering his job more important than his prayer life? Praise God. If there was something today that if you do this, you'd lose your job. Are you sure you do it? You won't. It's a very simple. I don't know how to preach this message. I wish we can just sit down and talk about it. How many of us cannot make weekday services just because it's not convenient? I know our Muslim brothers, when you employ them, that is the first thing they'll tell you on friday two through three we will not work i mean we have people here who have worked in abuja and all those northern place places practically you can't go to the office and find anybody there do you know what unconsciously we all accept that for them but for us it's okay for us it's okay And the thing is because we serve a merciful God and we take his mercies for granted sometimes you literally have to see how we are pursuing people to serve God you know it's almost like <laughs> it's almost like please please try your best try you know i mean I can say this, this is our church you know why some? it's not maybe because of rain why the place is empty I, I just told myself that I'm not chasing after anybody again because it's almost like yes when the church is full it makes Maxwell a successful pastor and so this one is angry it's not coming that one is angry it's not, I'm not going to spend my life chasing around people and all because it is okay it is, it is fine. You find someone doing something that's not right. And you call them as a pastor and say, this thing you're doing is not right. You need to stop it. Then they get angry. And then they leave the church. If we don't want to hold ourselves to the standard of God's word, then we should never embrace this faith in the first place. Are we together this morning? Yes, sir. We should not. Most of us are Christians because we don't want to go to hellfire. But if you ask yourself, the way you are living and those who are on their way to hell, what's the difference? The only difference is that you give God two hours. The lifestyle is the same. I remember the first time I came to this town. I, in fact, my wife was shocked that day. One guy came to me say, "God, Pastor, God has blessed me. Ah, God has blessed me. I want you to come and dedicate to my shop." I went on a bike, and he took me to his shop. Opened the shop, man. It was a full-fledged bar. Crates of. <laughs> I said, "How do I dedicate this? How do I?" Cold, hot, all manner. It was there. food. So I, I, I stood. I said, "Sorry, I can't. I can't pray over this." He said, ah, "That it was his former pastor that opened the shop." I said, "I can't. I can't pray." You know, I felt bad for him. I felt bad for myself too. But I didn't pray. I, I entered the bike and came back. But you know what? I mean, I think he left church, got got another pastor, they opened the place, and all that. So I asked him one question, you know, when I met him. And I said, I I know you're offended that I didn't pray for you and pray for your shop And I said, yes. And I asked him one question. I said, let's leave the Bible. Have you grown up with an alcoholic father? He said, no. I said, but you know people who grew up with alcoholic parents? He said, yes. I said, do you know the room that that cost that family? He said, yes. I said, okay. So, do you know the role you'll be playing in setting up more families like that? He thought very deeply. He didn't say anything. But before he left town, he came to me. He came to me in the office. He's out of town now. He brought brought money. He said, we sold a lot. (laughs) I know you won't take this tight. He said, but I want to thank you that I'm going back, but I'm going to start a new business. Sometimes, I speak to you as a pastor, sometimes it is tough for us to also resist the temptations you face but we have to do it this is a call to every one of us seated here and listening to me this morning that god is calling us not to be ashamed of our consecration let us be that one girl that'll be different Let's be that one boy that'll be different let's be that one pastor that'll be different and i don't care what you have done up until this morning the blood of jesus is available this morning to wash us from all forms of iniquity and our sins he will remember no more but going forward let's make up our mind let the heart of your wife be at rest that my husband is going to be faithful let the wife of your husband be at rest Praise the name of the Lord. Are you still here? It's a cold morning to receive a hot message. Genesis 39 verse 7. Genesis 39 verse 7. I was telling, I wanted to post it, but I said, let me not post. Because at the end of the day, it's like... You know, sometimes you look at... you you almost look at our pre wedding pictures now is is even more intimate than people who are married we keep pushing this thing we keep pushing it we keep push we keep pushing it we keep pushing the boundaries we keep stretching you know it, it, it it's almost like how much sin can we accommodate just like how much how much <laughs> you know that's why i don't ask, ask answer some questions maybe you're doing relationship class somebody asks you eh, sir i just want to ask as christians can we kiss before marriage because the bible talk about holy kiss kiss that's what you want go ahead is it the truth of the matter is you know somebody comes to you is citing old testament or new testament it is no testament keep your money Put that old on new. Is it when someone is finding an excuse not to do something? They start asking very silly questions. You know, people sometimes say "Eh, there are no stupid questions, questions are correct. All questions are not correct, some questions are stupid because we have the obvious answers. And we almost look like we are the generation that is intelligent, we understand love. And I say this all the time. Look at our marriages and the marriages of our parents. It's way apart. Check the divorce rates. Even in church, it's on the increase. It's okay for a pastor to come, send his wife away, get married the next month. It's just fine with us. It's not a problem. And you know why it's fine with us? Because we know that for some of us, that's in our hearts. So that tomorrow when we do it, we'll point to him. Uh, if that pastor can do it, who am I? Ultimately, I'm not your standard. Jesus is. I didn't die for you. Jesus did. Even if I fail, it's not an excuse for you to fail. God holds you up to a righteous standard. God is not using me to measure you. He's using Christ. And look at our marriages. We can't even stay together for ten years. I mean, we see twenty years married, and we are celebrating three million likes, five million likes. Wow! I tap into that grace. I tap twenty years because it's just fine. And we've raised a generation that you can't even confront someone that what you are doing is wrong. You can't. Whether as a pastor, whether as a parent, whether as a. You can't. I was in South Africa a few days ago and they passed the law in South Africa this month. You can't actually spank your child, it's illegal. Just in South Africa here, you can't flog your child anymore. It's okay. Soon our children will be taking us and arresting us in police courts. It's fine. We are intelligent, it's human rights. We are, we are just nice. Don't flog your child. Scripture says, Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the road of correction will take it out. You say, No. It's not a corner. It's denying the child play. Continue. Keep reversing the word, keep reversing it. And all because we don't want to appear like we are not developed. Take a look at our dress sense. It's like the more we advance, the more clothes we just take out of our body. Just the more, just take out more, talk out more, take out more, take out more. Just go, go for it, go for it. It's too much cloth, it's too much cloth. Let's just reduce this thing. Let's reduce it. It's okay. (laughs) Flip the channels. Pornography is at the tips of our fingers. It's okay. Just okay. Praise God. Just a little sin. After all, everybody's doing it. You know that wonderful excuse? Everybody's doing it. I'm not the only one. And the question I tell myself is, if everybody goes mad now, for those of us that are sin, should we just say well everybody's going mad right why, why are we saying let's just all go mad will you do that are you thinking of it <laughs> would you do that no we wouldn't you know the bible says do not follow multitudes to do evil let's have a sense that we stand before god let's have a sense that we would stand before god You know something about joseph genesis 39 verse 7 potiphar's wife wanted to sleep with joseph and he came to pass after these things that his master's eye cast longing eyes on joseph and she said lie with me verse 8 he refused and said the master's wife look my master does not know what is with me in the house and he has committed all that he has to my hand verse 9 there is no one greater in this house than i am Now, has he kept anything for me, but you, because you are his wife. How can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Verse 10. So it was as she spoke to Joseph day by day that he did not heed to lie with her or to be with her. Say, How can I do this against God? Whatever we do ultimately is not against the man, it's against God. And that whole sense, you know, just thinking about this message as God put it in my heart. That whole sense of listen. People might not find out, but God is finding out. It changes everything about the way we live. It changes everything about the way we live. Holding ourselves to the highest standard of faith. Like I said, it doesn't matter what have happened up until now. Give yourself a new leaf. Change the way you think. Change the way you act if one person takes this message and chooses to do the right thing i'll be fulfilled it's about us committing to standards of righteousness in our own space look at the woman with the alabaster box matthew 26 verse 7 she gave a whole income a whole one-year wages to god the level of consecration Most of us are even ashamed of our giving to God. If you give that whole amount to God today and people know, oh, they'll call you a fool. Why are you giving your whole salary? Why are you doing the whole of this to church? Why are you carrying church on your head? Where is our commitment to the things of God? Where is our commitment to the purposes of God? Where is our commitment to the advancement of God's kingdom? Can they count on us praise the name of the lord thank you lord jesus are you still here in luke 9 26 put that up whoever is ashamed of me i'll be ashamed of him luke 9 26 it means that there are some people See, for, for whoever is ashamed of me and my words of him the son of man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and in his fathers and of the holy angels it means that there will be people who will be ashamed of God there will be people who will be ashamed of God ashamed to be Christians because we want to belong because we want to in. praise God are you still here As a young man, I I was was mentoring in the ministry. I think I've shared the story before. And uh, the guy was blessing me and giving me some stuff. But I've been in ministry for a while. I understand it. So I gave him a call. I said, the kind of seed you're sowing into my life, you just started. I don't expect you to have that kind of money. Are you doing things right? And uh, he said, yeah, he's okay. He's doing things. He prayed for some people and they gave him that money. I said, I hope you have not entered this thing thing of i mean there's nothing wrong with prophecy but you've not entered He said, no 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 you know it took me it took me faith to make that call do you understand like somebody gives you money and then you call the person to like i hope you are doing something right you know since that they haven't gotten any money that's the truth this thing cost us <laughs> Doing ministry truly will cost you. You think I can't have three cars if I want to have three cars? I can't. I can't. Or you think, i just say this jokingly, but it's true. You think I don't see, too, all right? <laughs> you think I don't see? <laughs> I'll tell you a story. A few days ago, I was in South Africa. I was praying for people, called 10 people. Who had all kinds of pains, get them healed. I was praying for a lady, and and the Lord told me that her pains, where her pain was, was in the tooth. And I got the picture of the tooth, and that she had an appointment with the doctor the next day. And I told her, "This way, spending you. you have an appointment with the doctor the next day." She was shocked. I was like, "If I pray for you right now, the pains will go, but you won't be totally healed. But you still need to see the doctor." So, don't think we are just teachers, only know Greek and Hebrew. No, don't think so. Don't think so. (laughs) I don't think that things don't happen through us. Some of you were here the last two Sundays before I traveled. We were here, right? When we prayed for people. Right. There's a lady here, had very terrible pains around this region. Finished praying, I went to the office. As we closed, she came to meet me. The pains were gone 100%. There's a guy here, in church here, who does grinding stuff and all stuff, business stuff and all that. Prayed with him that he agreed. Bam, his business just went just went, I mean, blessed. Just with grinding alone. That whole period made quite some money. And he came to bless me with if I gave me some money on Wednesday, me, maybe some money on Wednesday after service, then came to the office again and gave me some more money. You know what? If I want more money, I'll do that every Sunday. And there are some of you, I can preach the way I'm preaching now forever. Your one naira will never drop. Never. You have just decided. The pastor will not take my money. I'm wise. Never. You never try. After the one you have dropped in the offering, it is finished. Whether pastor eats, whether he's alive, whether he's... That's not your business. Because you have decided... This is the limit of my consecration. I'm just telling you that there are temptations that abound in all areas. Because after I heard that testimony and after I got that money, you know what I'm going to do this morning? I'll preach for a while and I'll call people again. How many of you want God to specially touch your business? We're going to have a touch, a, a victory business meeting. And before you know all my energy ministry will be committed to making you prosper, making you prosper, making you prosper, making you... And I'll tell you the truth. If we'll begin to emphasize that, you begin to experience it. And at the end of the day, maybe at the detriment of your growing up in Christ and maturity. So sometimes temptation is not just an outright sin. Temptation is that which, in a godly way, turns you away from the perfect will of God for your lives. So we must hold to our consecration. It says, if we are ashamed of him, you'll be ashamed of us. In Romans 16, it says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of God, for it is the power of God unto salvation. I want us in the next five minutes to to yield ourselves to him and make commitments of righteousness to him and say, Lord, we come before you. We repent of our sins and we consecrate ourselves to you everywhere we have made mistakes everywhere we have been at fault everywhere we have opened the way for the enemy whatever temptations we have succumbed to we ask for your forgiving power we ask for your forgiving power and we ask oh God that you will help us this morning consecrate ourselves to you can we just pray together everyone i want to challenge you this morning this is god giving every one of us seated here this morning and listening to this message an opportunity to act right and i say to you this morning it doesn't matter what you've done the blood of jesus washes all our sins away and cleanses us from our unrighteousness. but make up your mind as you're going into the year that is coming that you're gonna even if it means standing alone even if it means being the only righteous man in the city let's make that commitment father we come before you we consecrate our heart to you this morning I would say father God help us help us help us Jesus to make just that one decision to chase after you to follow you to do what is right And Father God, even in the areas of our lives where we're falling into temptations, that you will deliver us. And just help us by your grace and your mercy to come to the place of strength. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray.